0: Welcome to another edition of Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. As usual, I'm Max, and I'm Nikki, and together we're Max and Nikki. On this edition of Splitting Hairs, we'll be discussing jazz, particularly contemporary jazz and how it relates to the jazz of the past, the pros and cons, and the what have yous. Because the kids just don't know what the jazz is all about. They got their hippins and their hoppins and their new Pepsi-Cola can. Anyway, before we move on to our main topic at hand, we have some station business. Our uh, upcoming Vintage Basement with Max and Nikki show is this Monday, February 12th, 2018. Um, at Under St. Mark's Theater in the East Village of Manhattan, New York. At 9 p.m. We've got a great lineup. Get your tickets while you still can. Um, They're going fast. And the lineup includes... Mark Normand, Anna Dresden, Harris Meyerson, and those weird guys featuring Jay Jay Weingarten Weingarten and and Matthew Golden. And we have some Special special guests. Uh, guest appearances including including the one and only Kevin Kamiya and and Caroline Caroline Busa it's going to be a great show uh, and we look very forward to seeing you all out there um, if you're in the New York area so get those tickets now and uh, yeah where can you get your tickets maxandnicki.com or horsetrade.info again that's maxandnicki.com or horsetrade.info so if you go to com, it'll be a little bit easier to navigate. navigate and find the link to the appropriate ticketing site. Anyway, um, did we watch anything this past week that we'll, we want to discuss before we go ta- to talk about our main main topic at hand? Not really. Uh, anything happen? Let's see. Uh... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, we could talk about this, the whole Quentin Tarantino thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but I, I kind of want to save that for a, another episode, actually. Well, about the responsibility of news the media. News to, media. There to, was just something. To uh, report accurately. And, right. There was uh, a New York Times article that came out recently um, in can, which Umi Thurman was interviewed uh, about, you know, the allegation about. Uh, Harvey, Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein, you know, having sexually harassed her. But in addition to that, she talked about Quentin Tarantino uh, and her relationship with him, and, particularly uh, the, on the set of Kill Bill. Um, but the the news reporter, the, the a journalist, she kind of took it upon herself to sort of frame a narrative around the relationship between Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman, one that was inaccurate and um, one that kind of included sort of fabrications or hyperbolic um, sort of descriptions, embellishments, embellishments of, of what Uma Thurman had said, and and things that Uma, Uma Thurman didn't Some, even didn't even say actually. Right. Some of the things she did say for sure, and there was a certain accident on the set of Kill Bill, but, which you know Quentin Tarantino deeply regrets. Anyway, uh, Max, we're anyway. we're talking we're talking anyway. The point is, the reporter... The point is, actually, a, that... A, it's, provided inaccurate... Even the, in, the New York per, Times... Max, I'm talking. The, the journalists provided inaccurate information, and even the day after, uh, Uma Therma took Thurman. to... Thurman. To, you said Uma Therma. Uma Thurman took to... Uh, Instagram to clarify her statements in the New York Times article and saying this was not about attacking Quentin Tarantino. She has a very good relationship with him and it wasn't about that. It was about exposing Harvey Weinstein and his uh, wrongdoings. And so a couple days after Quentin Tarantino, uh, there's an interview, an exact interview, uh, word for word, verbatim, verbatim about, uh, about some of these things that happened in the New York Times article. And it was an interview with Quentin Tarantino where he was able to sort of clear his name, uh, in However, a it's, uh, anyway, that's, but that's it, a, that's the, a thing we'd like to discuss on a future episode. Just the news, the media, uh, spinning a story to kind of gain readership and also to, um, sensationalized, sensationalized well, yeah, yeah just basically to kind of create a story and a lot of people love the new york times i mean look the new york times has a lot of great articles and things like that but even that you know your hardcore liberal you know progressives love the new york times and by the way we should state that we are liberal too but uh you know the new york times is even you know is faulty here you know and and uh it just you have to really think about where, you, you I know, think you, the, you the, to, the important. Th- I mean, look, it, without going further into it, the important thing is, whenever any anything negative comes out in the media these days, I think you should wait for the opposition or the rebuttal or response to come out. Um, be patient before you create any judgments for yourself. You know, but that is also the history of newspapers, by the way. I mean, when they even started in their country, they were all they were sensationalist, you know. And uh, it it's hard not to create. Well, it's not that hard actually to try and be. As ne- I mean, uh, that is kind of part of the history of newspapers. Look, is to Max, we're not sensationalize talking about be right be Biased, actually, we're not talking about this right but now. But I, I don't know. I just we should. Yeah. This is this an a uh, this is a topic not that for may, another episode that it's a right. It's though, an episode you know? that we want not, not do- right if, that it happens. This is an episode a topic for an episode we want to do with a particular guest um so we're going to save that for later but in general save your judgments until you've done your research and know the whole story both sides of the story even still though if you still- even if all the news outlets are saying one way if all the evidence is not in yet you know refrain from judgment i say anyway right i mean it, it if there's hard well if it seems like there's hold, s- if there's, there's hard, some hard ev- evidence then obviously it's true but, but anyway even still i got to say i mean there's that duke university thing i mean the da messed with the blood and it's kind of crazy anyway moving on let's get to our topic at hand jazz modern jazz and how it relates to the previous well, jazz it's not, that's not just it it's about the pros and cons it's it. it's actually it's kind of the, the a lot of the cons is what i want to talk about in that there's something about modern jazz that is boring to me and i am a big jazz aficionado so is max you know we've been playing jazz for the greater part of our lives we've been listening to jazz for almost our whole lives um Partially because of our father's influence. And when we say aficionado, I'd say better than most, not as good as some. You know, Max, there are some people Why are. do you must you act? So, you don't have to be so uh, humble all the time. <laughs> I just wanted it's to not s- about that. I just I'm, wanted to say better than most, no, not as good as some. But it's not about that. I just it's wanted just, to use that phrase. God, but you always do this. It's like well, you are a big jazz aficionado. I know I you am. You know, mo- you're. You know more than most, actually. That's not, what I'm saying. Better than most, not as good as some. There are some people that are bigger, even bigger jazz heads that probably know more about modern jazz than I do. I will do. say that will our say. father knows a lot about jazz, and sometimes we even stump him on things. So, sure. Um, but anyway, so there's something about modern jazz that is very boring sounding to, to us, or to me, I, I guess. Max, too, I don't know. Uh, not all modern jazz, but a lot of it. You know. No, the by the way, there's hear... some good people. There's some guys out there and women out there that are very good. I when I say guys, I mean that is sort of a colloquial everybody thing. Um, it, see, aren't I being very influenced by no liberal? No, I, yeah, uh, but I I, I actually when I, do, when I say that, qualify. yeah, but I do, uh, yeah, and I think that's wrong because I think when you say guys, uh, for me. Well, the I reason mean, for, I say guys in reference, yeah, to but actually, Vanga. the reason I specified in that case is because jazz historically has been dominated by a male presence, That's and true. a lot of women aren't included unless they're singers. That's why I said that. Not just jazz, but actually, uh, Western classical music too. Yes, sure, sure. No, I mean just uh, yeah. But um, so, in any way. That's why I specified in that scenario. So actually, I, I rescind what I said before about, you know, the liberal ideology kind of influencing me. I actually particularly specified in that case because of the reason. But anyway, anyway the, so modern jazz, if you listen to, like, any jazz radio station, well, I just wanted to say there are some modern jazz people that are good, like Kurt Elling, um well, in my opinion, that are not born. Kurt Elling, there's Hiromi, I think, is very good, too. Anyway, just—and Brad Meldow. I mean, John Baptiste, also, who's the leader of John the late show Le- yeah. band. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, even Chris Potter, you know. and Chris Potter. Uh, I mean, he's not really super—I mean, he is still playing, but Gerbelt am I pronouncing it? Gilberto. 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 Gilberto Gil. Gilberto Gil or is it Gilberto Gil? I think I it's Gilberto Gil. No, I don't know. I don't I don't think so. But no, even him today is a little boring. Like, you know, it's a little boring sounding. Yeah, even like, you know, Chick Corea is not really modern. I mean, he's un, he's under the umbrella of so, modern jazz, but I'm t- we have to talk about it's contemporary jazz. That's what you mean, Nick. Contemporary jazz and that what what I mean by that is jazz music that is being released today that you would hear uh, most often more more frequently on a jazz radio station for you Los Angeles listeners Actually, that I'd would be KJazz 88.1 FM um, if you're in San Francisco more- it would be KCSM but yeah this you know even artists that have been around a long time um, there's something about the music that they're releasing today uh, as opposed to the music that they've released in the past that sounds more boring than the music that they released in the past. Um, and what is it? What is it that sounds boring? Well, I'll, it, in so many words, it's the, the lack of melody. Pro- no, well, no, I was going to say it's the approach to production. Uh, I, I don't know if that's true. That's not true. It's, too, it's that's, two things. Okay, there's, there's a several things it's, actually. It's the pro- approach to music production. There's something about, uh, well, it's not even just that. It's, Actually, just the well, yes, yeah, the lack of melody sometimes. Well, the, a lot of times, I mean, just listening to the jazz station, uh, you get some cheesy melodies that are like, or not cheesy melody, but these long-winded melodies that uh, sometimes they're aren't very really they're they're sh- not. I'm sorry, they're not they're actually very long, short. I should say they're not long-winded. I'm sorry. What I me- meant was long-toned. Actually, so very, in other words, they it's it's like the. The players are playing these long tones, and there's not really even a melody, and then there's this big solo that is basically the whole of the song, you know? It's very uninspired, basically. it's uninspired. It's basically like, oh, here's some chord progressions, why don't you solo over it? We'll do something that resembles the sort of uh, beginnings of a melody that aren't even really inspired in the beginning of the song, you know? You Um, really need... Even Quincy Jones actually came out with an article recently... And he was really talking about pop music, really. But and he was saying you got to look to the jazz guys because they know what they're talking about. Uh, But I will say he did really place a strong emphasis on melody, you know. And he thinks he was saying this was in really his relationship to pop music. But he was saying there's not enough strong melodies anymore. And I think that about jazz today, you know. But it's also the sound of the jazz. What is about it? I think it's the arrangements. I think there's something about modern jazz arrangements. that... Contemporary jazz. Con- sorry, contemporary jazz arrangements. that is... because boring. when we say modern, I mean modern jazz. Uh, you know that that's started really maybe in the late fifties, I would say, or yeah, maybe even before. I mean, okay. you can argue different things. I know, but, but I'm not that that that's like saying classical music. I mean, there's classical music. There's the classical period. I of know most classical maybe, music exactly because. In within classical music, you say there's modern music, which is beginning of the 20th century, but then you say contemporary music, which is now. Uh, I know, current but stuff. that's that's Nikki, a, you're that's, not that you're not what you're not understanding what I'm saying. I know, but when it's, you're talking when about, I say modern, I'm saying I, I'm not talking about. I know, I understand you're that, talking about the literal, let me finish. Let me finish. Can I finish? Can I finish? The the not the genre of modern jazz, but the actual definition of modern. I understand what you're saying, but just to remain not confusing for people that are art aficionados or people that uh, appreciate, you know, uh, art and art culture, to them, they understand there are certain terms you use in art. And when you're talking about the modern era, you're talking about something that's separate. Then, even in philosophy, too, you have contemporary thought or modern thought. That's a different thing. For instance, okay, you know, uh, 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 what's his name? You know, uh, you know, uh, to be or not to be, what's the name again? Uh, Shakespeare. No, I'm not to be or not to be. I'm sorry. Uh, I think for there, therefore, I am. What's the name again? Uh, Descartes, Descartes. Yeah, so he was like the beginning of modern philosophy, you know, but contemporary philosophy is something else, you know, okay, anyway. Uh, so as bored as you were just now audience l- listeners uh, uh here in hearing what Max just had to say about modern jazz versus contemporary jazz that's the boredom you might feel when you listen to contemporary jazz I on the radio I would today. argue it's even more boring <laughs> Um so the contemporary jazz yeah there's something about the arrangements that is boring it, they seem uninspired like there's something um I can't even put my finger on it. What is it, Max? Can you explain it? There's something about the arrangements that is boring. It's it's this sort of well, um, it's it, uh, I, I w- think. the well, what do you mean? I think actually, it's, it's yeah. not just a lack of melody, but it's it's a lack of interesting harmony too. You know, that's well. Here's the thing. What I, I think, think is... In, it, I, think, I think in an attempt to sound a, it's, more it's, progressive... It's not I a think lack in, of... In, in, in the attempt to sound more progressive, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they it me sounds, to you, you're asking it me sounds less classic and less uh, melodious, and it sounds less interesting to the ear, I think. Well, I think what happens is, for one, there's a lot that's been explored in jazz already, okay? Um, and I think maybe a lot of musicians feel like A lot of the music has been has exhausted its full potential in terms of melody so they're trying to look for other ways to produce their music i guess um unfortunately it comes out in often boring things um there are some modern people that are cool that kind of bring a a hip uh spin on on a Classic on jazz, sound. on a classic sound like John baptiste I think. I, I think Jacob Collier actually Jacob does a Collier. cool thing. Even though I, I would argue that his stuff doesn't have as much soul to it. Right, um, but I think but there's, there's a, he has a very cool approach to harmony, and there's, actually. And there's, there's a lot of other other uh, young, hip jazz music... I think in this newer, younger generation of jazz musicians, I think what they're doing is they're playing with other genres and mixing it with jazz now. Uh, and also just... Uh, there, there's something maybe, even if they're not full on mixing genres, they might be maybe borrowing a certain spirit from other genres that, and they're trying to create. Well, it's not even a spirit of other genres; it's the spirit of not traditional jazz, but jazz from the past. No, no, I, um, I know, but what I'm saying like is, if you to, revital- to I'm saying in order to revitalize jazz from the past, they're using they're spinning it in a very, you know you know, contemporary way, I think. No, you know, no, something, no, 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 no. Yes, there's, yes, there's yes, yes, yes. There's something about, like, John Batiste or uh, this guy Joe Warner that we know in San Francisco. There's, they're actually, I think it's almost their influences are are um, are more interesting, perhaps. I mean, you could tell with John Batiste and, and that guy Joe Warner, their influences um, are classical in nature sometimes. I mean, like, you can hear... Definitely some Claude Debussy influence. And that's uh, for me as a listener, it's more interesting to I hear. I know, that but kind okay, listen to like some of the song selections. You know, on Colbert, John Baptiste played a version of Blackbird, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so that was using another genre, uh, which is rock, and kind of incorporated that into jazz. No, no that song's though, not really a rock song. Okay, but it's okay, but whatever. It's non jazz, it's pop, you know? Uh, and he did it, and it, not only that, he did it in a very contemporary way as well. You know, it, it's, it's just not a ve- very contemporary way. It's a very, it is though. Yeah, it is. It's very. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's contemporary a bow, in the Brad sense that it's actually. kind of yeah. Brad Meldow is another good example. He also covered "Paranoid Android," you know, which is a very, you know, relatively contemporary song. You know, relative to the history of jazz, is what I mean. But um, and and. There's a something in the way. Also, and if you listen to Brad Meldow, his delivery is very. It has a modern touch to it. It's something that is refreshing. You know, yeah, I know, but but you're he's kind of going against what you're saying here by saying. I know modern jazz is. Modern, all no, I'm not even just saying that. You're 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 going against. You're saying that these contemporary artists are good, but that's not. I mean, what what I'm trying to that's I, what I'm saying. What I'm a lot of argue, them are not. What I'm trying to argue is that. Most of it is uninspired. I think that's the key word: is uh, uninspired. There's there's know, a lot of jazz out there I know, right now there's that's there's derivative, and just it's it sounds like there's I know there's but, no effort into creating. I, okay, that's uh, why that's uh, why we're having sounding. this discussion. Is I think there's a younger generation out there. Brad Meldow is pretty old actually at this point, but I think he kind of s- started on something important. But a lot of the younger generation, like Snarky Puppy and John Baptiste. Actually, Brad Meldow is not that old, actually. He's in his 40s only. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of this younger generation thing about them is they're kind of incorporating other influences outside of jazz into jazz, and I think that's kind of revitalizing uh, what you're talking about, a classic sound, because I think uh, what you do hear on the radio often is them trying to expand the universe of jazz, but within just jazz itself you know what i mean and they get very self-indulgent i think that's the big problem and what you hear on the radio actually, a lot of you hear contemporary on the jazz. radio too a lot of contemporary jazz is really straight ahead jazz actually i and, know that's what i'm saying and that's really it's it's almost actually in fact maybe you're right because when you listen to uh the classic jazz from the past they did incorporate uh music from different parts of the world i mean Dizzy Gillespie did that a lot with Afro-Cuban music. Well, the and thing is... Even like a night in Tunisia, you know, classic jazz standard... I think it just... Had, like, influence from the world. Right, I think it's just sort world. of... Uh, that's the way it is with any music, actually. They're in court... I mean, if, if you're not... You can't just grow within a bubble, you know what I mean? You can only go so far with, with that, you know? And I think that's how all music is right now. It's very postmodern. you know? But in addition, it's like... At, just being a young, being a musician now, just by osmosis, you're incorporating influences from throughout your life into it. And that, because the music world is so expansive now, it's hard to avoid not incorporating other outside influences from, you know, if you're just sticking to one genre, it means you're really not listening to music at all, you know what I mean? Whereas before, uh, music wasn't as readily available, I think, you know, in the past, so people kind of maybe stuck within their own genre a little bit more, I think. Maybe. I mean, that's just kind of a theory. But bit, I will you know. say, you know, there's something else about That's not totally true. Sure. The Beatles listen to a lot of different stuff, but There's by the way, something about say. jazz. Even the interesting stuff, even the good stuff, there's something that's not as pleasant to hear. I mean, some of it is, but uh, the contemporary jazz that's coming out now, it is the pr- approach to production that really... There, I feel like jazz is better suited for with an inside of an analog, uh, sound like, well, that's your aesthetic. That's the way that's because you've listened to a lot of older jazz, you know? And it's better though. And I, I, there's something about the arrangements of classic jazz, uh, inside of the of a an analog world that sound more pleasing and soothing to the ear i think why do you think think that is for you personally I, i don't know there's something about jazz that it almost sounds like it should be played on vinyl like i mean i'm not saying you need to listen on vinyl and often i don't actually most of the time i don't but i think there's something to the quality of that that sound that analog sound that makes it more pleasant to listen to you. when it's. Why when is it's, that? Why do you think that? Uh, I think that's maybe it's your comp- personal maybe, experience with jazz. Well, no, but it's it's it not. Is. I know, but it's. I think most people would agree with this. Actually, well, I, basically, I what people Nicky's talking about people is think, there's think, something that sounds a lot of times in contemporary recordings of jazz. It sounds too bright and new somehow. You know what I mean? There's something. Uh, I guess it sounds cheesier because for that reason, you know, there's something, it it goes with also the way the instruments are made now, too. I mean, you could hear it on even great people like, uh, um, you know, Arturo Sandoval, you know, he's one of, he's maybe the best musician in the world, you know, but even modern recordings of his, the trumpet might sound a little too bright for some reason. Or you even know, or, actually, I will say, even recordings of John Coltrane, and this actually doesn't even have to do with the production, but it sounds, it's, it's, I think John Coltrane had, had, a, has had a big influence on contemporary jazz actually, and, and the way it sounds. And for me, at least this is a personal opinion, obviously, and maybe a controversial opinion. I think it's sort of a negative influence for me on, on contemporary jazz because his, his uh desire to expand the world of jazz it led down a road of sort of self-indulgence self-indulgence yeah exactly and lack of melody as you're saying long toned notes that were just not very melodic or melodious and it, the sound was flat in a way. Do you say? Well, the sound okay, was flat. I, and not, I'm going to disagree that, with that, you. That, that, that I, had I, an influence. That I, that has had a big influence on contemporary jazz. And that for I, I got to disagree for, with you. Me, actually, can I tell you why you're wrong? Actually, right. <sighs> because when John Coltrane started to explore outside of just melody, he was actually exploring the way quite the opposite of just being dull and flat. He was actually trying to explore the quality of sounds actually he can produce with his instrument, you know, and exploring that in solos and things like that. And I know, you know, like multiphonics and, and just different extended techniques and things like that. And and, and when you're saying in exploring that though, yeah. Okay. People, I I think are influenced by that, just that maybe in an, in, in a, maybe they're influenced in a bad way. With that said, I don't think John Coltrane himself, though, was bad. You no, know, I—I mean, no, he wasn't. But I will say he's not my favorite. Uh, he's not my favorite saxophone player. He's not my favorite saxophone player. And play- in fact, he wasn't the most melodic improviser. And in fact, um, yeah, but even the does- timbre of his sound just wasn't as pleasing as somebody like Stan Getz or Cannonball Adderley. Um, yeah, I mean, look, that's. Uh, that's or totally Sonny subjective. Rollins, That's solely you know? totally subjective on that. I mean, there. Are, hey, I, I he even say- said it himself. John Coltrane even said about Stan Getz. He said, "We'd all play like him if we could." Yeah. Okay. I. But here's the thing. Uh. Yeah. I look. I. I like. I'm not the biggest fan of John Coltrane, but I do like him as particularly like there's certain song, you know, uh, there's certain renditions of songs of his that are my favorite, including in a sentimental mood. That's my favorite version of that song. And his tone on that is really great. And everything about that recording is great. Duke Ellington on it. It's just, it's really great. Um, but I know, but there's something about like, but even though, even if you listen to his version of my favorite things, which is not bad, the that approach that that rendition of it that sound I I feel like is the sound basically of contemporary jazz right I, now. I disagree. I disagree. Uh There maybe is a certain maybe timbre to it that you're right about, but the this goes and you're not quite fully you know talking about what you were even talking about before. They were. With that song, I think it's cool, actually. He was exploring a new way of trying to produce the melody, you know, and I think it was cool, actually. I actually like that version of My Favorite Things a lot. Um The thing is, about that recording, though, I'm sorry, what's different about what you're saying, though, is in a lot of contemporary jazz, they wouldn't even have a melody that they're playing a solo off of, you know, particularly. No, but it's not sometimes they are do a lot of times they're covering jazz standards but the way they're True. covering it the jazz standards is uninspired it's 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 almost like oh this is not a unique way of i know but i doing- think they it's different because john coltrane did sound inspired actually i think he did sound inspired it's not again it's not my subjective particularly favorite uh again stan getz really is my and and Cannonball Adderley are probably my favorites. Um, I mean, did it sound inspired? Because there's was something very, there's or? something very smooth and and uh, and oh, uh, well, I don't know. There's something. Just it makes me feel good. Actually I would argue there, that just because you're trying to push the boundaries of what of what jazz could be doesn't mean uh, it it's going to sound good no matter what. I, mean, I didn't say that, it, but you're saying it, it's like it sounds inspired. It sounds inspired though. It does, sound, me, it does sound inspired, but you know what? It's Often, I, I, like, this is the whole thing with, um, you know, what's his name? Ornette Coleman, right? Yeah. Um, You know, free jazz. It's like, sure, you're trying to push the limits of what music could be, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's pleasing to anybody, actually. Actually, it is. It was pleasing to a lot. Like, for instance, Bitches Brew is a very, like, a lot of people consider that a very seminal album, you know? and uh, It's not really for me. I know, but a lot of people like it because imagine okay, who's a lot of people, a lot of kids who think they actually know jazz. No, but, but just a, a say, lot of just talk about that album. No, and, they, and they don't really know jazz. That's true, Nicky. That, actually, you're that's right. Like, that that is, happens. That's a like lot. a hipster. That's like part of the hipster community will just refer to bitches but like it's their a lot of hipster like indie rock people. They'll say they don't, they don't who don't really know much about jazz. They'll have like a couple jazz albums and. Usually it'll be kind of blue, which is a very, very good album, by the way. And I know it sounds cliche to say that, but it really is. There is a reason why it's the best-selling album, uh, of jazz album of all time. Um, So there's that, and then they'll say, you know, Bitches Brew, which is just because it's Miles Davis and because he was breaking new ground, basically, with that album. But it's not necessarily, in my opinion, that great of an album. Well, that's in your opinion. Uh, but I think it's... for a lot, okay. Just imagine a lot of jazz musicians out there that were listening to jazz all the time, and they. I think to though, the, with those, let with me. Those can I kids, finish my? Can, explain, I just need make, to finish the I, thought. I need to finish the thought though. With those kids, though, that have just those albums, they're These are the kinds of kids that are told that this is good jazz, and so they'll trick themselves into believing it is good true, even though they don't really know what else is out there. Right. That's but a problem. I, I, I actually think. personally think that there is something good about. It's not my by any means my favorite jazz album but there's some good stuff on Bitches Brew that I can take from that you know what I mean Uh, as far as something that might be pleasing to me but it's definitely not uh, I'm not going to lie and say that it's one of my favorite jazz albums for sure not but um, I do want to clarify by the way that I don't uh, only like classic older sounding jazz because I love jazz fusion and that's like Okay. That's starting to get... That's like, that's definitely modern jazz. Just, and that's like getting into a whole other area that a lot of traditionalists don't like. I mean, Herbie Hancock did so many cool things that I, I really like. I mean, uh, on, Weather Nikki, Report. Okay. There's Weather Report. I mean, there's Wayne Shorter lo- did a lot of cool things. There's a lot Gianco of guys. Pastors. I mean, there's, there's countless guys and in the seventies especially and early eighties. And we could talk about smooth jazz too, which is another cool thing. Well, there's a lot of guys. I mean, uh, what's the guitarist's name? He's a really famous guitarist. Uh, George Benson. No, uh, no, no. Well, I mean, he like, well, no, no. Joe Pass. No. Well, Joe Pass is great, but he's not fusion, but, um, Oh, come Joe on. Joe Zawinul. No, no, I mean, sorry. Joe Zawinul always fusion. He's, he's great. 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 Uh, but, um, uh, actually, our older brother can speak more on on Jazz Fusion if we ever had him on. He can talk about that a Bella little f- more. Uh, Wes Montgomery is who I'm talking about. Actually, Oh, by the way, Pat Metheny, Jazz Fusion also. He's really great. Um, uh, Wes mean, Montgomery, who's actually not uh, part of... He influenced a lot of people later on as far as smooth jazz go. but goes just I mean, in his technique. Even uh, Joe Sample. But he's not really part of Jazz Fusion. You know, Joe Sample... Um, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys had uh, a big influence on what would become smooth jazz, and some of that early smooth jazz actually sounds really good. I mean, I would argue Spyro Gyra is not necessarily smooth jazz, but it is the beginning of smooth jazz. and Spyro Gyra is really good, and so what is good about that as opposed to contemporary jazz? It is the melody. There's melody to it. There's, By the way, also Dave uh, I Just there's to say good, good. There's good melody to it. There's still like something about the melody in it that is uh, Chuck Mangione. Is, is strong and that's actually good. yeah so uh also chick korea by the way also and uh, actually what? in fact that that's a complaint i have about the uh ken burns jazz documentary uh you know the 10-part da- uh, jazz series that ken burns directed is that he focuses only on uh the beginnings of jazz up until like basically hard bop and then he doesn't really focus on, he doesn't really actually talk about bossa nova or anything beyond any jazz fusion uh, or anything contemporary at all. Well, and he talk about, he'll talk about contemporary artists that. That continued to play straight ahead stuff, like and particularly Winter he Merceres. focused on Winton Marsalis a lot, and that's who a, is a good, great music. And by the way, he's great; uh, he's a great musician. But there's a big but he pro- does not; he's very much a straight ahead, like he's very much a traditionalist when it comes. And, jazz, and I feel times. like that's a problem with contemporary artists actually is that they only play straight ahead stuff. I mean, or contemporary jazz artists. I mean, that's it's not, not, not entirely true, true. All the time. That's dude? not true. That's it's not like true. like I said. There's a younger generation out there that's I know, exploring but other I, I'm talking about stuff that you would hear on. On, okay, these jazz on this stations. jazz radio radio but, it, but it's... it's anyway, so you're just. About, I just want to say... Wait, wait. What was I saying? I was saying, yeah, that's the problem I had with that documentary is there's... Bossa Nova, there's... That has a big world of jazz that influenced so... I mean, that influenced jazz in a big way. I mean, just Latin jazz in general. And the fact that that was not explored in that jazz documentary uh, by Ken Burns is kind of a... is a big oversight, actually. it's It's right, really right. like... Latin jazz has had such a large influence on the genre of jazz, and it and, and it was crossover. It crossed over into the pop, the mainstream did. world. In fact, uh, Gets Gilberto, that ni- album that came in 1962, I mean, look, it's he the only jazz even, album to win a, the Grammy for uh, for best album of the year he until Herbert Hancock. They don't in 2008. even really talk about like soul jazz or any, you know, which is all, and, and also, yeah, I mean, jazz fusion also. Jazz obviously. fusion, I mean but you know it's it's like but i will say i will argue that latin jazz i mean just latin music uh has had such a big influence on on jazz that that the, the idea that they would not cover that in a documentary is, is kind of a shame. Yeah, actually, aside from, let's just forget about Bossa Nova. He didn't really talk about, you know, Latin That's music. That's what I'm saying, Latin that, music, yeah. not just Bossa Nova, but Latin. I mean, he did talk about Afro-Cuban, obviously, you know, in relationship to, you know, Dizzy Gillespie, and but but just talking about, like, Salsa, even, Salsa you know, is, like... A lot of it is very jazzed influence, you know. It and, is. It's, I mean, it. It's, you know, it is basically Latin jazz, you know? Right. I mean, with Jose Riso, this is no, jazz it's on you're not the Latin side. It's, this is Jose Riso with jazz on the Latin side. Uh, Jose Riso is a DJ. Jazz on the Latin side All-Stars. Is a DJ in Los Angeles. Joey Francesco. He's a DJ for K-Jazz in Los Angeles. I think he still does it, but in any event... Uh, Oh, no, I'm Nick, sorry. Say, I said I said KCSM that is uh, that, that's wrong. That's actually located I earlier I said that about about uh, the Bay Area, but that's actually KCSN is is located in Los Angeles too. That's What's the one in the Bay that's Area? That's Cal State Northridge. That's that's that What? What's the one in the Bay Area then? I forget what any event. I think maybe that is KCSM. I can't remember actually to well, be honest. I want to oh, know why it comes from um What's the place that's in in south? This sort of, uh, you know, you go south of San Francisco. What, what is it called? Uh, yeah, you know, um, the peninsula. No, what is it called? There's a, you know, it's a. Oh, this is boring. Oh, cut it is. out. Anyway, uh, but a lot of what you hear on the radio, again, I just want to reiterate what Nikki's talking about. Yes, the the melodies are uninspired, and therefore the solos seem to be uninspired because it seems to be. I mean, yes, they're quote unquote being inspired from their just creativity and imagination in their head, but I feel like you need some sort of melody to play off. The the solo is playing off of something, you know what I mean? And that's what makes it interesting to me at least. Yeah, solos, uh, the, the most interesting soloists, in my opinion, the most interesting improvisers are melodic enough that their solos sound like, Interesting, unique melody. I know, but that's not what I'm saying. No, that, there's a, I mean... What makes them interesting, I guess, at, at its base, to me is that they're able to play off the melodies, chords. They're they're able to play off the familiarity of of the song itself, uh, which we just heard, actually, as the head is what we call it. I think it that's in jazz, what that's know? what's wrong with. Uh, that's why jazz is not so popular right now, is because. Uh, a younger generation is basically only getting it from, you know, contemporary recordings. Whereas I, I think it's to really appreciate jazz. Now you have to see it live because when you see it live, it is a different thing. I think Well, that's actually. okay. It brings up the point you made. And actually Lala product- la, la, la la Land actually said it well, actually he's, he's saying you have to see it live to really appreciate it. I yeah. Think, but you I know? think part of that is okay. Uh, if you think about jazz... Now, it, now, I'm saying. Now you have to see it live. Right, I, I think you can hear uh, old recordings okay, and like let it. Let me say, you know? I think, okay, you brought up a point about... So just to finish up on that contemporary thing, um, yeah, a lot of times it's it seems self-indulgent. I think the jazz artist forgets that there's an audience out there that, uh, and they forget to put themselves in the audience and think, okay, if I wasn't a bystander, you know, I was just watching a show... And maybe I knew some about music, but I or maybe I didn't. Would I enjoy listening to this? You know, um, do they care about that? I mean, I don't know. As we were I, talking, we do, we know a lot about it, obviously. But we're listening to it, and it's not that good. As we were talking about it's not in, that our, in our last episode, there's got to be some sense of pop in it actually no 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 i think no. for for a listener to enjoy Not a it, sense of pop what no, are you talking about pop in a broader sense of term there's got to be some level of catchiness no i think, I think there's got to be some level I think of catchiness there's got to be something as thomas fats waller once said there's got to be something that the the audience can sink their teeth into um that can also, sing along to and uh, here's another thing about it is uh, A lot of things on the Contemporary Jazz Station sounds cheesy, straight up cheesy. Uh, If you listen to a lot of jazz vocalists now, it's almost like they're doing a parody of jazz vocalists in their performances. They overpronounce like consonants like R's and stuff like that. There I go, there I go, like that kind of a thing. But not just that. It's even a quality... It's a cheesy quality. I can't even put my finger actually, on it. And actually, if you listen to the like, vocalist, it's like it's the cheesy quality of the vocalist. There's I, just something. As I said, it sounds like a parody of them. It sounds like a parody of a jazz vocalist that they're doing, and but, that they're they're using that as an actual vocal uh, uh, style, and it's not good. And in addition to that, I, it's not just that. There's the that I, also the lyrical quality of a lot of the songs that you hear now it sounds so trite and insubstantive insubstantive uh, it's just insubstantive sound- yeah unsubstantive see how long it takes for you to look this stuff up um yeah it just doesn't sound there's something about it that these vocalists they sound cheesy and they sound they just don't sound unique it's the same way how pop artists or r&b artists a contemporary r&b Pop artists or any... any Insubstantive. Or insubstantial. Or Uh, unsubstantial. uh, Any contemporary pop or R&B or soul or any any rock artists even, you know, indie indie rock pop, indie pop artists, they all don't try to find a unique voice. They all try to sound like something else. Listen they they all they're all trying to sound like some overproduced sound and i feel like that's seeping into that's seeped into the jazz world where these vocalists these contemporary jazz vocalists they're trying to live up they're not trying to live up they they think that this overproduced sound I is dis- the right I'm, thing i'm disagreeing with you in fact a lot of jazz is not overproduced actually and i think that's the problem about the not sounding fresh enough is that they're their production sounds tre-ordinaire, actually, you know? <laughs> it doesn't... There's nothing new and innovative about that, and that's why kids are not drawn to it, because it's like, well, you guys aren't doing anything uh, special with your production, actually. I'm not actually, talking you know? about the production. I'm talking about the quality of the vocals. You know, not not when I say pr- overproduce, it's it it's like they're trying to live up to uh, that doesn't that is I don't like that adjective. Overproduce it doesn't sound correct for right, what you're talking fine. about, actually. Well, whatever it is, they just sound it, they're th- trying to sound live, they're trying to emulate a singer. Because I don't what like the way I don't like the way you're saying a parody. It doesn't sound that's not what I think I don't think that that's a good description, actually. It is it just, no, it's not. It's like, okay, if you were parodying a jazz vocalist, that's how they sound, actually. You it's know? like I I guess you would go. Yeah, maybe you're right. It, it's, but, but it they, sounds no, like they're it's trying not, to, It's, not, they're, what it it's sounds, not like they're parody. I think that's the wrong way to say it. It's, it's, no, they're it's, not it's actually parodying it. It sounds like a parody of a... What I'm trying to say it, is... They, they don't look at it like a parody. They look at it like no. This is... No doy hickey, no doy. You didn't. Should describe that correctly. I did. I said it sounds like a parody of a jazz vocalist, but but they're trying to use that for real. No, they're. But because not that they're trying to use the parody for real, but that they're trying to use what they think is good. Right. Right. And that comes across as a parody. No. No. of, Of or it comes across as sounding like. What a parody of a jazz vocalist, would. right? But right. that is not their intention. Ex- Duh! That, you didn't describe that correctly. I think people understand. I don't think they do. Well, in any event, um, what I was going to say was uh, it kind of sounds like okay, they took like Natalie Cole's vocal quality, which and is then, good, which is, and good. then they over, they like overhyped that, or like maybe um, Diana Krall. or Nancy Nancy Wilson. No, not Nancy Wilson, but yeah, maybe Nancy. Yeah, Wilson. no, they, I'm. Quite sure it sounds like they're influenced by that by a lot, a lot actually. And then they've like, you know, exponentially, you know, put that on eleven that quality, and it sounds like excessive, basically. You know, by the way, Nancy Wilson, great, oh, vocalist. she's the, one of the best, not just a jazz vocalist, by the way, R and B um, and and pop. And actually. pop. And just she's so good. I mean, I mean just there's listen an episode to how glad I am. There's it's a very good, very good or, performance. No, and listening song. to her version of Don't uh, uh, Don't, don't misunderstand. misunderstand, it is so good. So choice. It's like it's so choice. What are where are you from? I don't even know who it's you are there. anymore. God, listen to the lyrics. Her version of Don't Misunderstand is so good. The lyrics are so good, and she just delivers the lyrics in such a touching way it just really gets at at you know your heart. It gets in inside your being and you're just like, oh, this is good. This is now this is good jazz. Now and, um but, by the way. There's also an episode of the Cosby Show. I I will say, you know, say what you want about uh Bill Cosby. Obviously he's, you know, done a lot of bad things, but the Cosby Show was a very good show in a lot of for a lot of reasons. But one of the <laughs> big reasons was it's uh, attempt to introduce younger people to jazz, jazz music, actually, and the kind of jazz that he presented or that they presented in that show was good jazz. I think it was like it was just um, like even you know he would have jazz artists as guests on the show, including Nancy Wilson. Um, there was an episode. Was there's actually. an episode that he she was on where at the end of the episode. They all just start singing out of nowhere. Basically, Moody's "Mood for Love," and there's no backing track to it. It's just them singing acapella, and they start dancing to it. And that's the way the episode ends. It's so good. I mean, okay, I okay, okay. Uh, but just more on. So, by the way, you know, I was saying like there's a certain overpronunciation of certain consonants, um, in you know, modern jazz vocal delivery. Kurt Elling does do that a little bit, but there's something very uh, unique in his delivery style. He's also got such vocal control that it's quite impressive. Just right, especially if you see him live. It's like, yeah, it's truly one of the best so, shows you'll ever okay, see. Okay, Nikki mentioned like none of these people try to sound unique. Um, you shouldn't have I to try think, to sound again, unique though. Yeah. You should. You should shouldn't. just have a. a Nikki. It's okay. all about having an understanding of of who, who you, you are. are. Actually. It's about soul searching. I, I was actually listening to Sarah Silverman. I talk. know. I ca- I was gonna bring this up, and you just sort of interrupt me straight up just now. Nine. Okay, it's my. I, I'm the reason you listen to it. By okay, way. Uh, not really, I listened to that pod. That that is a podcast. Actually, Kevin Newland. Not a podcast. It's a webcast. Oh, okay. Well, pod, Kevin Newland has a webcast called Hiking with Kevin Newland, and he had a. Um, Sarah Silverman. Had Sarah Silverman on this past episode. And they were talking about uh, what her advice to uh, young, younger comedians is. And Kevin Nealon was like, oh, I just think a lot of them don't sound unique. They got to gotta try and find a unique voice because it's really, you see all these comedians and they're not very original. And he's like, you got to have a unique voice. And then I agree with Kevin Nealon on that. But I think... Uh, Sarah Silverman said it even better, actually, than him, and which is that she said, "Everyone is unique. You are yourself. Each person is different from one another." And I think you just have to look into yourself better and what you think is important, and stop trying to emulate others uh, and other people's styles. You you know what's good for what you think is funny to yourself, and uh, you should. That's how you'll be unique because. Everyone is unique, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I think, she quotes. Um, and she, I like she, that about her because she, it make it's very uh, it, it's uh, it's a good. Um, she she quotes Mister Rogers actually. Right. She says, you know, she says she quotes him and says because he's his his famous quote is you are special, and basically you are special and nobody else is like you, and so. Don't try to be like anybody else. Exactly. Try to be, just do you. If you do you, and if you can really find who you are- And harness that. And harness and, that. In comedy. You you'll know, be able to be, be- Well, or in music, actually, in what we're talking you about You could right become now. a good, strong, unique voice in comedy, and the same can be applied to music, and same can be applied to jazz music. Uh, right, but here's the thing about it, though. I think- when we're talking about jazz here, you know Quincy Jones came out with an article, an interview, there was an article where he was interviewed uh, recently, and he did mention that a lot of musicians don't have a grasp of the history of music very well. And yes, there is a lot of music out there, and so it's very hard to have a, a complete grasp on everything. You know, There are some guys, though, that I know that somehow just they know so much about music. Although those guys that I do know they don't really have a strong grasp. I don't think. I'm not quite sure. It doesn't seem to me though they have a strong grasp of other genres. music uh, technique, though actually. And so I think you need to have. Uh, so yes, everyone is special, but I think you need to have a good knowledge of music. Uh, I think you, from the past, you need though, to you know? do your research. I mean, but I think that's it's not just attempting to do your research. I think you need to be able to have fun with it and. Um, part of it is being lucky enough to being exposed to it from a young age. I know that we right. were exposed to a lot of different kinds of music from a very young age, and it, is, well, it has only inspired us to explore uh, a vast amount of different genres as we've grown older. I don't and know if we were exposed to a lot of different genres when we were younger. Well, that's true, but we were exposed to jazz and, oldies, jazz music, and oldies music. Definitely jazz and music, you know. It, but it has allowed us and in, obviously 90s and, and some do, music, it, do our of, own curios- curiosity too we've explored a lot and I, I do believe that it is important from a young age to be exposed to a lot of different kinds of music but even if you're not I think curiosity is what is going to help you be a unique artist the most and um, if you're curious enough then you will explore a lot and you will want to discover new kinds of music and new kinds of art and i think the more you're exposed to just everything around the world and the more of an observer you are the more those observations and those experiences and the different kind of art is going to influence your own work and your own voice and i think that will well, no, that I, that will allow you to be have a even more unique well-rounded voice, well-rounded unique voice in art and in life, actually, than others, actually, and, right? And so, because everyone, pers- okay, you kind of said something a little confusing because you're saying it kind of was the opposite. You said the more you'll be able to be influenced, no, uh, I as didn't, opposed I didn't to having a unique voice. I didn't. Let say me that. just expound on that. So yes, you'll be able to be more well-rounded in your influences, and with that, because everyone has a unique perspective, because we are all see things differently and hear things differently, you'll be able to produce something ex- particularly whoa, whoa, whoa. extraordinary. I think you took it the wrong way, though. I do think that the more you are influenced, the more unique you can be, actually, because, as we said in our last episode, all art, to degree, is postmodern. And it if you didn't know about stuff from the past, then you will not... You can't just create something out of thin air. I mean, it'd be impressive if you did. I know, but what I'm saying is... You are informed by things from the past. You always will be. Right. And the more you are, the more, I think, capable you will become of creating something truly unique. And which is what the message that we're talking about with contemporary jazz is that they're not taking from... A, a myriad of different influences. They're really kind of sticking into their self-indulged uh, bubble, actually. you know, a lot, This is a lot of what you hear on the radio, at least in our experience. Because there are, there are performances who, which I've seen live, and, and this is why I think for any jazz naysayers, don't listen to the jazz radio stations that play contemporary jazz. Go see jazz live, because it, it really is... You do gain a better appreciation and a better understanding of what jazz is all about, right? But um, I think by I, seeing it live, that's true. But actually, I was talking with a friend of mine who's trying to get into jazz more, and uh, otherwise, he I re- likes it. He just he doesn't quite. I don't think quite fully appreciates it as much as you or me. I think, and I think the reason is, and I was like he's like, "Why do you think that is?" So, and, and this isn't me trying to like say that we uh well anyway and i just, he asked why do you think that's so and i was like i don't know maybe it's because you don't maybe don't he's not a musician so he doesn't know like the theory behind it i don't think that's it but th- then again let me just finish up my dad never knew about the theory about these things and so but he still loved jazz uh, I of course, maybe, he's a lot older, and that was the popular music at a point in his life. Actually, right? The jazz I think. Was the popular I mean, companies. I don't know exactly no, what. it I is. Don't think, maybe I don't think, think, think. it's because it's, it's uh-huh. you have to listen to the right artists to gain an appreciation for jazz. Because if and you then, just listen, if you just listen to the contemporary artists, you're going to think it's boring. Because no, I think it's, it's boring that, as a jazz you know, appreciator. It's not that I, but I have friends that have listened to classic albums, and they still think. Uh, I, this this quiz, I don't I can't fully appreciate this. I will. I've actually had this. I, had I this will, thought I will, myself I before. Will, like I will always. If, if somebody asks me to recommend one album, jazz album to listen to that can turn them on to jazz, I'll probably recommend Gets Gilberto. I think it's the most accessible uh, jazz crossover album. I think it does take that a crossover kind of album like that for somebody who's not exposed has never been exposed to jazz to start appreciating jazz because there's a poppy quality right. to that album. Sure. That, and and there's also it yeah, it, but it explores I, many genres that again, album. Again, Nikki it's yes, that's true, but I think for instance, because you've listened to a lot more jazz and because you've studied jazz, you appreciate it on a different level actually. You know I know, I but mean? why do you think that that album won the album of the year in 1964. And know, why, why do you think I, it was so popular? It's it's not, I, it's, but you're not it's listening that, to it's me. That, it you're was not. that accessible, actually. It was very accessible. I know, but you're not listening accessible. to me. It's like, okay. And Let's I think, say somebody has I no friends. I think frame. somebody can, but I think when you listen to that album, you kind of start thinking, oh, what, what, what other, is there more music in this genre that I can listen to that also will be good? And it'll allow you to want to explore more. I know, but you're not, understanding what I'm saying is yes, okay, that's a good intro album for sure, but I think when they start to listen to more and more jazz and then come back to the album then they'll appreciate it on a different level is what I'm saying, because then you'll start to realize, oh wow listen to how how really actually how hip Stan Getz's solos are, I mean they're very melodic, but it's, yes they're melodic, but the phrasing is so hip, I mean like just think about how uh, you know, yes, you can hum them and they are melodic. That's one aspect of it, but, uh, how he phrases them and where the placement of those, where he decides to take pauses, you know, him using maybe a blue note or, well, the, the, or the, things like the that, the you know, instead th- of, you know, it's just, it's, he just does it. So it's almost well, like they're so well constructed yeah. and it's like, wow, how did he create this? You the know? more, the more, the you, know, solo, the, you know, it's a solo, I think that the, the more, you and it's know, it's so smooth, the you more, know? you know, and the more, uh, the more curious you are to explore different worlds and genres and just different art, the more you know, the more you're going to be able to appreciate the uniqueness in specific artists. Sure. You know, exactly. Um, And that's definitely a truth, you know, and you know, it doesn't, it it doesn't, it's not even, it's not even like you have to understand music theory, which it helps to appreciate some of these things more. But our friend Jeff actually he listens to a lot of jazz and he doesn't he doesn't really have a background in, in music theory at all actually he's he's a music appreciator um and but I think he has his preferences for which jazz artists he likes more than others you know it's a i mean or sorry that sounded weird the way i said that but they he has different he has preferences in in the jazz that he listens to and there are reasons why he does and i think it's cuz he's listened to enough of it where he's he's able to um he's able to pinpoint maybe maybe not in words but in his overall mood um what what sounds he likes what he's able to pinpoint what is unique about one artist as po- uh, compared to another and i think that's important sure you know? but i i will uh even argue though well yeah sure okay but i will say you know definitely music theory does have uh it helps a lot to it understand helps even in pop music like i i just even in pop music if well, you listen not, to if you listen to a burt tune can i finish a thing actually it's, okay, jesus christ yes if you listen to a burt Bacharach tune or actually i mean something that sounds poppier i guess something like bart davenport um, I mean, nobody, nobody knows. I mean, okay, unfortunately, I Bart Davenport is one of my favorite musicians. Okay. I'm time, just saying people there are don't, certain musicians out there that are, Davenport is. that are okay. Or a Burt Backrack tune or another, just an, an artist, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that like Bart Davenport, a lot of people do know who he is and he is truly one of the biggest influences on my own music. Um, He's very great, but he's not as well-known as somebody like Burt Bacharach. So I think for our average listener, you might have to mention somebody like Burt Bacharach. Okay. Uh, Sometimes you might hear a certain chord change or something like that that might give you a certain feeling that brings a smile to your face because it's uh, they decided to use—I can't really quite explain it. If you know theory, the reason that you're smiling at that chord change— uh, is because they're doing something unexpected or something that? Well, no. No, Max. Okay, this is what you're trying to say. Pleasingly about. unexpected. Well, I just remember a friend of mine. Oh. We were watching a performance of Bart Davenport once, and Davenport. That's what I said. And me and Nikki and our friend were sitting together, and and actually our older brother too. And Bart Davenport did this chord change and this progression, and in this one of his songs and. We all kinda chuckled and laughed and our my friend was like she liked it, but she was like, Why are you guys laughing? And it was just there's something uh, There's something about uh it's like the language of music is really what it is. And it's, it's not, the language it's of music it's and funny. like he said something in the language of music that made me smile, you it, know. And it wasn't it was not a chuckle that was necessarily humorous. It was it was an enjoyable quality it that was a made you smile. It, it, was, a it, was, it was a delighted, delighted it was, chuckle. It was a know? chuckle at being, at, at being how delightful that 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 the sound of that chord was. Right. was. Um, and I think, oh God, I'm coming. I feel like I'm coming off as being one of these no, esoteric Max, people. Or something, what are we but, talking about? This whole conversation is esoteric in a way, okay? You know? Or some sort of pedant. I mean, know? the whole this whole podcast is esoteric in a lot of ways. You know, some sort of sophisticant. I mean, but. Uh, no the point is though is if you're if you know about music theory t- in some to some level or um at, at some base level you will be able to appreciate music in a different way but this is not to say that your average non uh non musician can't appreciate that in a different kind of way it just might sound like a cool thing to them and I, they I'm might not, smile for that reason I'm alone I'm not saying it that it might just sound like oh, this sounds unique. I They don't even, might not even know why in the moment. It just, I know. But, but they might I'm enjoy saying- it, but afterwards they can analyze like, why did that sound different? But Okay, and- yes, I know. I'm saying that, but she enjoyed the performance. It just so happened because, in that moment, because we knew music theory, we got something else out of that that she wasn't able to get out of it is what I'm saying, you know? I know, but I would argue that she could get, equally the same amount of whatever we got but in a different kind of way you know like for me it's not just about what are you talking about it's I, not i don't understand it, it, I, because, i'm just trying you a, it's not it's not for me it's not just about knowing that he did something different it's about i know it's about just feeling like oh that sounds interesting whether or not you know music theory it just sounds cool i know but i Part of me thinks it's not about knowing music theory, but it's also, I, I guess, going I against the unexpected, going against the expected. That's the what expectation. I'm saying. It, there's a because you know music theory; it's just ingrained to you like a muscle, you know, at this point, or at least some of it is. And so, because it went against something that was expected, it delighted you in that way. Uh, whereas somebody that is not as music savvy, it wouldn't quite do that. But maybe you, it could be though that you are such an aficionado, an appreciator of music. And you may not know music theory, but you've listened, you've listened, this listened to this kind of music certain, enough that that when person this happens, doing it, when that happens, it might give you that equal amount of delight. So because it's diff- it, it sounds unique. Sounds unique. But yeah. anyway, and I think we should end this uh, conversation because it's gone on pretty long. I think concerning, I mean, we definitely- We can go a, on this for hours on a, end. There's a know? lot of jazz history that we did not talk about, but we were trying to get at the root of contemporary jazz. Um, and and that in was, doing so, we talked about other stuff as well, um, obviously. But for me, I would say... Um, if you are a jazz listener, or if you are a music listener, and you haven't listened to jazz yet, and you, you're you not quite into jazz, I would urge you to go see it live. Or um, start with Gets Gilberto as an album uh, uh, of reference to, to start getting into it. Don't listen to the contemporary jazz stations on the radio because I don't think you will be exposed to good Good jazz. jazz. Um, And why is that? Because it's uninspired jazz. It's uninspired. It's uninspired and it's, and it's not very cl- cheesy, too. The production to it is not very classy, actually. And by the way, um, we're not be, talking about smooth jazz, by the way. We're not talking about smooth jazz. Because smooth jazz can be, v- that can be very good, good. actually. Um, you know? It can be that good. That could also be uninspired and cheesy as well. It's but a, when it comes down to it, it's I'm, We're all, talking about sh- straight up a jazz station. It's all though. about melody. And if something has a good melody, people are going to want to listen. Well, at least melodious. Yeah, as I will say. something melodious. <laughs> um, and... If you are a jazz musician, I uh, I urge you to heed the advice of... Heat? Heat? I just said heed, if you can listen correctly. Um, heed the advice of Fred Rogers. You are special. And I think it just ta- might take you a little bit more time to really soul search and find that uni- unique in yourself. Uniquosity? Is that a word? In, I'm, I'm creating the word Uniqueness. Uniquosity in yourself. Well, Nikki, you just found the uniqueness in yourself. Uniquosity your to it might take you a little bit more time, but when you find that unique voice, I think you can truly create something unique that will stand out amongst all the sort of boring contemporary jazz that is out there. Um, and I think a lot of younger jazz musicians right now are more than capable of doing that and are doing it. Um, in very unique, cool ways. Um, and what I have to say is... Of uh, course, Max always has to have the well, last word. Well, just because this... It actually seems like you always do have the last word. Well, the reason is because you didn't fully explain everything. I don't just think that you need to go out and see it live. I think you should to be exposed. You need to go out and see the right live pe- people live, actually. Reason being is... Yeah, there, yeah you have to see there are the some inspired people- musicians live. Yeah. Re- and actually, there are some classic, you know, jazz legends that play now still, and some of their stuff does sound uninspired, actually, and or self-indulgent, and I've seen that before, and, you know, it hasn't been the most fun concert, you know, but there have been other jazz musicians I've seen, and I've been like, holy crap, that's, now that was, a, that felt, I really felt that there, you know, that time, you know, and those are the guys. If you, if you, I just basically, hey, look, you know, uh but part of it is if you go How s- do you know what to go see then live, you know? I don't know. It's just a matter of like basically take a chance and if the musicians are enjoying themselves, that's half the battle because it's going to make you want to enjoy yourself more too. If they're if you can see that they're enjoying what they're doing, it means that they're doing something that is like you know, it actually speaks to them, and I think it could speak to the audience member too. Sort of. I just i I've seen like I've seen Shakira and Gary Burton live together before, and I just was thought it was a little boring, to be honest. Um, I, were they truly enjoying what they were doing? It seemed like it, because basically, when I was, uh, but it seemed like it when was I just sang kind at these little, when I sang when I sang at these jazz bars in Lyon. I mean, that was some of the best jazz I ever experienced. It was like you would see these professional musicians come out from their their gigs, their professional gigs, come to this bar and jam out. And that's when you really saw it was this very intimate space at Le Bariton, and it you would see <sighs> oh my them God. just how much more pretentious. It, can you it, sound? it wasn't like they were trying to uh, impress anybody. It's, and they were just trying to have fun amongst each other because it was just a lot of jazz musicians there, and that's where I truly saw the best jazz I've ever seen because they were just having fun. Yeah, I guess that is also another thing is, you know, uh, well, yeah. that's a recommendation. I actually recommend going to a late night jam session. No, not sometimes always it can because be bad. sometimes, no, just the sometimes. On that is. It's like young bucks want to try and impress the older dudes, actually, on those kinds of things, and so older they dudes. may not be se- dudes. He says they may not be seeming to have as much fun, you know. Uh, although those jazz jam sessions are, are are fun, though they are. Go go to a late night jam session. Yeah, I think a lot of times you go to a late night jam session, you'll see you actually see if you go in New York, actually go to Smalls, for instance, late night jam session, you'll see some world renowned but players actually there you know right but i will say wherever you are go to a late night jam session if you're in Lyon, france go to le, Bar- le bariton you'll see some really <sighs> cool jazz there um or if you're somewhere else late night you know night. I, uh, actually you know you know what was fun uh you know unfortunately it's <sighs> no longer open anymore at doc's lab uh in San Francisco, just closed its doors, unfortunately. They would have these jam sessions. And they would have these jam sessions, and those were really fun, you know? Uh, especially when they were led by, uh, you know... Joe Warner. Joe Warner. He, You know, Joe Warner, he's a young buck up and coming. Check him out. And he knew a lot about jazz. Basically... He seems like he's always... He seems so laid back, and he seems like... He seems he knows, older than... In, he, he seems in touch with what he knows... Uh, wait, he seems in touch with what he likes about okay, jazz. Okay, let's really wrap this up Okay. Here. Anyway, you look, the point is, you know, I guess I would say- ask your friend who that li- loves jazz if you're trying to look into jazz. Ask your friend who loves jazz about who to see live. I don't agree no? with that. I don't, know. I don't agree with that. Just, just <laughs> take a chance. Go out to your local jazz club, wherever you are, and try to catch some live jazz. I think immediately you'll be able to appreciate it on a different kind of level if you don't have that access that's true then check out then check if you don't have that kind of access then i recommend listening to get Gilberto. i think it's the most accessible and uh jazz album out you know that's been created and it's also one of the biggest crossover albums of all time you know and so actually you know also you know, if you Max, listen to Birdland from Weather Report, okay, that's a very accessible. I, I know, thing. but Max, please. I don't actually think that's accessible as I think it's very accessible. I, I actually don't think it's as accessible as as uh, Getz/Gilberto. Why don't you think so? Because it's fusion. So. I think fusion is really good, but I don't think it's there's something about bossa nova music that is accessible. There's something popular about it. And all right. I think But uh, basically but- Getz/Gilberto live jazz that's what it's all about thank you for tuning in to another edition of splitting hairs with max and nikki tune in next time